now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cool Down Time. My name is Marco, and I'm a graphically outdated host. And joining me, as always, is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, what's been going on with you, man? Talk to me. Yeah, man, it's been actually a pretty uh, slow week for me in terms of life stuff. You know, status quo, everything's been the same. It's all good. Um, yeah, not much to really talk about in that. I, I watched that um, new Ninja Turtles movie, the, the oh, okay, the Mutant Mayhem. Whoa, that movie's fucking fire, bro! Really, like, I've heard good the, things. I've heard good things. Yeah, the soundtrack is crazy. Not all nails. the voice acting. Yeah, Ice Cube is a uh, superfly, and he kills that shit. Really, bro, it's, it's a really like amazing. I, I was always like a Ninja Turtles fan, and obviously my fandom has died because all those movies that came out recently were kind of, how do you say, garbage. Mm. Um, and this kind of revitalized kind of my fandom and, and the reason I saw why I love Ninja Turtles. I mean, it, they fucking kill it. And my son, who doesn't really sit through anything, sat through most of that. Uh, oh. And every time some cool shit happened, he would look back at me and smile like, that was cool type of look. <laughs> so that was that was actually one of the first times I ever see him actually react to something on like a movie or something. Because I tried to have him watch the Mario movie and he was like, anyway, I'm going to go play with this cardboard box. <laughs> so... <laughs> But other hey, than man, that, man, don't, don't, it's all good. No, no cardboard box slander, all right? That was my no, that was I, my my jam when I was a kid, man. Oh yeah, no. My kid loves every toy I buy him because it comes in a cardboard box and that's his favorite toy. Let's go. He's, yeah. he's got he's got a good palate. He's got a good palate. <laughs> so far, so good. Uh your your wife is raising him right. Um That's right. Oh wait. So uh doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. We're back to this again. Back to not caring about his uh his long time This episode. Wow, you're not even kidding. doing the doc. <laughs> anymore and you're doing the in this episode <laughs> complete terrorism uh as a friend um it's been a pretty mediocre week for me though i went through all that drama and made you feel bad and i just have nothing to say about my week mm. i actually spent most of my free time just putting down games left and right so we have a, oh. a pretty pretty stacked loadouts to, to get into with all the games i've been working on man so um speaking of which speaking of which we might as well kind of hop right into it pablo we have a pretty jam-packed episode this week uh if you've been living under a rock things happened with xbox lately uh, i'm sure you've heard but uh uh-huh. we're going to be talking about that and a lot of other stuff so why don't we go ahead and dive right into the segment dedicated to the games that we have been playing since our listeners last heard from us we call that loadouts let's go all systems nominal Loadouts ready. All right, pretty stacked list this week, Pablo. Uh, to say oh, yeah. the, the absolute least, um, we are in full swing as far as the overwhelming onslaught of of games and even new content to old games, which we'll be getting into as well. But uh, we have a few common denominators on our list, and I think it'd probably be best to tackle those together. Uh, and why don't we go ahead and start off with a, a little game called Lies of P. Uh, yeah, Pablo, this this game uh, is is basically a new Soulsborne like experience, uh, set in a dark depiction of the Pinocchio story of all things. And uh, needless to say, uh, we were skeptical. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, me 
you know, on two fronts because I'm not typically into traditional Soulsborne games, so I didn't expect to get a lot of mileage out of this. And I will say the demo didn't do a lot for me, but of course with you, I think you had some concerns of your own, particularly with this being about Pinocchio, uh, an edgy Pinocchio. Well, so <laughs> Also, the fact that it was a Souls-like in that usually the Souls-like replicas are never really good. You know, they even the ones kinda, that are deemed, yeah. like the Surge that I deem to be decent don't even live up to the standard that uh that from software has has put up so you know on two fronts the ridiculous premise uh so it's pretty easy for me to kind of dislike this game going in for sure yeah i mean we thought it was a ridiculous premise <laughs> until I mean, until uh, until until i played it <laughs> yeah and, yeah and i i gotta say i don't know about you but i've been pleasantly surprised at how good of a game this is i mean it's it's way better than i thought it would be and it grabbed me for much longer than i thought too uh would you say the same on your end i i would actually go a little further and say um even though i haven't completed the game so far so the small caveat yeah is that i think this is the best souls like replica you know the best game that has come out that isn't made from from software and i don't think any game and I and I say this with sincerity. I don't think any game comes close to this game in terms of it being like you know, like a uh, like a Demon Souls or a Dark Souls. And in this case, it's like a Bloodborne meets Sekiro type of thing. Right. And it's it's fantastic, man. It's absolutely amazing. I would say that it's cur- I think it's currently sitting at eighty two in Open Critic, and I think that's still too low for it because I I I am completely enamored with this game from from top to bottom. I love this game to pieces. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's definitely a delight to get a game like this that you have mm-hmm. very low expectations for, and then it just kind of obliterates that shit, and you end yeah. up with yeah, yeah, and even down to you know the the whole premise being Pinocchio is a tough sell. It was for me, and I, I know it was for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. there was something interestingly unique about the spin that they have on it, and I actually kind of came around on it quite a bit. As as I played more of it, uh, I do like the gritty spin on the on this story. Um, I like the way that they have repurposed the lore and the characters yep. in a in a very cool and unique way. Um, there's definitely that souls like mystique that they bring into the, the the narrative too, and some of the dialogue. But I do think that it does copy a little bit too much of the from software storytelling formula in 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 the not so good way where they try to be a little too obtuse at times and a little too yeah. cryptic in that let's copy everything from software does in a writing kind of way um which i think they didn't really have to bring that over for this to be a great game but i think uh, aside from that i kind of i've been pleasantly surprised at the story it's no it's it's no shakespeare it's no mass effect it's nothing no great work of of, of art in terms of writing but it's better than mm. i expected well, it, it, unlike the the Souls games, they this there is a story that it's upfront, like in terms of the the conversations yeah. you have and the things that you're trying to do. A lot when you play like uh, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, anything like that, even Elden Ring, there is a a story. But really, while you play the game, it's all contextual. It's all things that you see in the world. Things there is actually a a through line here that they tell you, hey, what's going on here? What's going on there? Go take care of this. Go take care of that. Even some side quests. But yeah, there there are certain aspects of the game there's like a humanity thing going on there with if you ever known anything about Pinocchio he wants to be a real boy and so there is that level of that because you are 
a puppet be or a special puppet because you can in fact lie and in that in, in by lying you grow your humanity which the game never fucking tells you uh i found out some things about it from a different podcast i listened to and which makes sense but those are the kind of things that marco I, you were alluding to where it's a little bit too too obtuse and a little too much lost in the weeds in terms of like that type of storytelling where it's in there but you have to really pay attention like if you like if you play a record after the records is done playing you hear your your innards moving and changing and it's like okay there's something definitely happening you just don't know what it is those are the kind of things that i like but i still feel like um you th- that could be largely ignored because there is a pretty decent story being told here at least you're going to these places with 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 the minimal amount of you of, know what's going of, on yeah of reason as to why you're here I, yeah i can tell you i'm a i'm a big souls guy i love dark souls one two and three do not quiz me on the story because mm-hmm. i know i go to this place and i go to that place no idea why i'm there i'm just here to get through it find shit and beat the boss that's all i know yeah. uh and that's all i care to do because gameplay is king uh but yeah what do you think about the gameplay specific thing because one thing that's interesting to me is that i find this game and i've and other kind of souls fans they actually find this game to be challenging and i know that's one of the things that you kind of of hate not hated but disliked heavily about these games where it's like die and and repeat type of things and learn the behaviors but this game does a lot of that and you're pretty much keeping up with where i'm at in the story and when the boss there's some difficult bosses that you're getting through quicker than i am even so what what's changed here what about this game is is different from from those other games that you couldn't get into um well, number one is I think that over time I've kind of gotten used to the formula of Souls games enough to know what to expect and know what I was how thinking, to approach baby. it. Um, <laughs> that's just an unnecessary reaction. I just to that. want you because I kind of want you to go back to like specifically. Oh, I'm not. Go- oh, I'm not going back to any of those. I, I know, want you but to I know would right now. In in I I would love for you to go back to Dark Souls Three. Oh, that, no. That's I'm the only one because th- I nope. think you would absolutely love that. I game. don't. I don't want anything to do with those games <laughs> because I I think that there's just some things innate to the From Software style of the old mm-hmm. Souls formula that just doesn't click with me at all. Um, whereas I think Lies of P um, tackles things a lot better in, in a way that I think is more palatable for my yeah. taste, like the way that they handle abilities and the way that consumables work, especially with how you can give yourself health and how you can actually recharge your health um, vial by, oh, yeah, by yeah, you yeah. Know, hitting uh, enemies and just the way the weapons feel. And, and, and overall, I think everything just sort of feels much more Marco friendly than most of the others. Um as far as the combat and the difficulty, I find it good. Um, it's not super frustrating. I don't think I've gotten hung up on a boss longer than like seven or eight deaths before I can get the win. Um, it, my only complaint is I, I think that some of the boss attacks can be a little too like magnetized to where you're, you are. Where if Dark I'm rolling Souls out of two tracking, yeah, the, oh whatever you call that term, I've noticed yeah. that a lot. Where I'm like I'm I am completely out of your way, and yet you just warp over to me and you know you slash me and whatever so i have to kind of account for that with the way that i play and i'd say the last thing before i kick it over you on the gameplay side is um no sneak attacks um that feel good in this game whatsoever because there's no crouching you're just kind of walking up hoping that they don't turn around and they always do at least for me uh so that sneak attacks never feel effective and there's a lot of weird platforming sections of the game that i think that the gameplay just isn't built for 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of like walking down little like tight little ledges and uh, wooden planks and stuff. And you have to be very careful not to fall off on the other side. But it's just not built in a way to kind of let you do that effectively um, without it feeling janky or, or like it's the game's fault if you fall down. So I, I don't yeah. like things like that. But overall, this is probably the least amount of, of, of frustration I've had in a Soulsborne game since Elden Ring. Yeah, so I t- to kind of touch up on what you said there at the end, and I know exactly what area you're specifically talking about because yeah. that was that was kind of like I hate when they do that because Dark Souls games are so infamous for these little things where these weird uh, uh, moments in 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 gameplay where you have to kind of balance yourself on a beam and there's a bad guy throwing shit at you and the game doesn't feel like your your, your character doesn't animate to kind of fit that beam yeah. and so you're kind of widespread animation so yeah so yeah. it. The, that's like ripped right from those games and that's the kind of stuff that i wish they did a little better where you know obviously you're inspired heavily by what from software has done with their games but i kind of wish that you know that they did something a little different when it came to those those moments because i've i i I agree man those moments are so frustrating you know you kind of i found myself kind of spamming throwables and kind of getting through it like that in order to to kind of you know uh alleviate myself from that frustration as much as i possibly can uh but in terms of gameplay uh yeah i mean i agree with everything you said i think that um i i love i like the gameplay quite a bit but yeah one of the complaints about dark souls 2 was some enemies had incredible incredibly frustrating tracking where it didn't seem like they were that close and then all of a sudden they did this move and they and they hit you uh that was that sucks uh especially there's one boss that i just kind of got through recently with the brotherhood boss uh and man the tracking on that is shit i hate it so much but anyway i digress uh i think that gameplay wise this game really does a really good job i think the 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 combat system works really well what did you use what's your what's your um what are you focusing on? Oh, I, I don't know what their terms for it are, but it's basically s- strength is my number one priority, vitality is my second priority, and then yeah. you know like stamina, and uh, I think that's probably it for me as far as what I'm min maxing. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm doing a little more of a balance. I'm doing, mm. I- I'm going heavy on vitality, but doing I think it's mot- motivity, and I forgot the other thing that they call it, which is a more of the uh, dexterity build, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a little bit of both, so I can so I can have my options when it comes to weapons. But yeah, man, the 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 combat is 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 satisfying. I, I will say there's a little bit of a um, a little bit of a difficulty curve when it comes to some bosses because you can pretty much get through the fodder like the the regular enemies pretty easily, uh, and then you'll all of a sudden hit a mini boss or a, a, a level boss that is just frustratingly hard, comparatively speaking. So mm-hmm. uh, there's some mini bosses in this game that are harder than than main bosses that are that honestly are a little frustrating because you you always know when you're about to encounter that big boss at the end, the level boss, uh, and then all of a sudden with the mini bosses they come out of nowhere so that's a little frustrating there but other than that man this game it, it really is firing in all cylinders when it comes to its gameplay and 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 kind of wearing its inspiration on its sleeve but not only copying it but get, doing its own little spin to it with the whole p organ stuff and uh which i i, I like it's like an additional rpg uh tree uh mm-hmm. skill tree so they do a lot of really good stuff here so it's definitely yep. has its inspirations but it's it's doing its own thing when it can when, whenever the formula lets it do its own thing yeah and well, we got to move on but i think quick shout out to the presentation too the victorian aesthetic is really cool i love mm-hmm. hotel crot 
I love the environments. They're very moody and unsettling. Good sound design, good voice acting too, but no lip syncing in the non-cinematics is kind of a a bother to me a little bit, but it's so bad. Minor, you know, concern there, but nothing too, you know, deal breaking. So, um, you know, I can't say that I'll, I I can guarantee I'll finish the game because these games just for me are, it's it's a luck of the draw when I get, when I'm done, I'm done. But I think even now, I think Lies of P is definitely one of the best Soulsborne games I've ever seen. And I think it's one of the best games of the year so far, uh, without question. I I agree. It it definitely is going to be up there for me. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to finish these games. I I love the challenge. I love just to be completely. Uh, there's a specific feeling that I get when I play these games, and I have it here when I'm playing Lies of P, which is yeah. That that's the the intangible thing that I can't explain. I don't know what that feeling is, but there's a specific feeling that I get when I'm playing these Souls like games, and when I don't feel it, I, I'm out and I'm uh, it, I'm all in. This this could have they could have made this Bloodborne two, and almost. If it wasn't for some of the level design that I think is kind of hit or miss in, in some of the things, if it wasn't for that, this could have almost been a, a a game made by From Software, almost. Yeah, but, yeah, it is that good for sure. Yeah, um, but that's not all we've been playing, Pablo. Another thing that we've both been dabbling with is none other than the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. 2.0 update, which is the update preceding uh, the Phantom Liberty DLC that's dropping very soon, uh, or by the time you're listening to this, uh, it might already be out, uh, which features a slew of quality of life improvements and even flat out overhauls to mm-hmm. uh, various systems and mechanics in the game. Um, I don't know about you, but I had high expectations for this update, um, you know, especially with, you know, uh, the, the DLC coming. I, I definitely wanted to see a lot of those uh, legacy issues from the base game be addressed rest before yeah. uh phantom liberty dropped and um you know to me i think they've surpassed my expectations in almost every way uh with some issues here and there that we'll definitely mention but but where are you kind of at um as far as you know how you felt beforehand and how you felt now yeah i mean i i i love cyberpunk 2077 uh and the thing is is that this update kind of makes me realize that there were some things in the base game, in the vanilla game, that that needed to be reworked. And this 2.0 kind of perfects that formula in a way that I wasn't really expecting. Because, I, you know, I saw what they were doing and the things that they were fixing or redoing. And I wasn't really particularly like, okay, I don't think that's going to change much in terms of how I see the game or play the game. And it has changed quite a bit. I mean, I I love uh, the new skill system. I, uh, the, the 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 police system the NPC the uh the the Night City police uh star system like uh, Grand Theft Auto is fucking rad as hell I that's the first thing I did I went crazy and tried to get all my stars filled that shit is awesome uh and you know I, I'm looking forward to kind of put all those things into 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 practice and, and really expand my uh my skill tree with Liberty uh with Phantom Liberty that's coming out here in a couple of days for us so I mean, it is. It's made a really, really fucking great game into an exceptional game, in my opinion. You know, yeah. so yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and you know, FYI, no alterations have been made to the game's base story. For those of you right. who are, you know, curious, if you already played it, is there anything new to see right now? No. Um, it's predominantly all gameplay related. Um, and I think on that front, I really like the new skill tree as well. I like the new combat improvements, particularly with melee, because my build is a. Uh, I'm a sword user. Uh, Katana too, user yeah. to be specific. Um, yep. So that is 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 feeling really good. A lot of UI enhancements as well with like how you you know deal with people on with phone calls and texts or just little odds and ends here and there that just make things feel really more intuitive and, and more sensible. 
Um, I really like the way that they made cyberware an essential part of the game. Uh, yeah. And they, they, they kind of make it so that that's really what levels you up or what that's your real gear. Whereas yeah. before it used to be like whatever clothes you're wearing comes with, you know, this has an armor rating of blah, blah, blah. And it would be like a tank top, which made no sense. Um, <laughs> so clothes are really more cosmetic at this point, um, which makes it feel more cyberpunky now. Um, yep. So I think it's just a more believable rendition of what they were striving for uh, as well. And I, re- I to your point, I like the police system uh, as well. I like that presence of just seeing those dots yeah. on the on the map, knowing, oh, there's people around. And I've gotten, you know, flagged for like reckless endangerment, even though I didn't like hurt anybody i was still being like way too wild and they're like no 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 no. we're gonna murder you now um yeah yeah yeah. so uh, i really like that stuff i in terms of car combat is cool too yeah yeah very it's i haven't used it a lot but i from what i did use it it does feel pretty good um presentation not too much is different on the console side i know pc's got a lot of like new ray tracing updates and uh things like that um the xbox version though kind of caca um it's it's got a little bit of like this weird sharpening bug where every couple of seconds the screen will get like 200x sharp for no reason and then it'll just clear up and then be like back to normal again but it happens constantly and it's even worse when you're driving because of the game streaming in loading, you know loading yeah. in assets and stuff so it's really bad um so i actually had to cancel my pre-order for phantom liberty on xbox which is where i wanted to play it and i had to go and get it on ps5 uh to play it there because the ps5 version is running uh pretty much you know, flawlessly at this point. So um, hopefully they can address those deficiencies on the Xbox side. But I think otherwise, dude, 2.0 is an outstanding improvement to the base game in almost every measure. So, yeah, I'm jealous of those people who've not played Cyberpunk yeah. and are playing it now. Uh, you, you guys are, are experiencing probably one of the best Western RPGs ever made. And this is us. And this is me coming off of, of, of Starfield where, you know, Starfield is excellent. And, you know, playing this, I'm like, man, what, which do I like better? It's almost, I, I can't really, uh, I can't really put my finger on it yet, but um, I, I, I can't wait for, for Fan of Liberty, man. Cause I, I, one thing that I, I admit that I kind of miss uh, because I am playing my 80 hour save is the story, you know, that's happening. You know, the, the, I, I want to yeah. see more of that because CDPR does an amazing job when it comes to, to their storytelling. And I want to see what Phantom Liberty has to offer in that, in that, uh, in that extent. Yeah. I started over. I'm like, I think a little over 20 hours in right now. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just as good the second time as it is the first time. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, but we have more to talk about with our loadouts, Pablo. This is where we kind of diverge a little bit here. Um, I'm going to jump in if you don't mind. Um, Go ahead, yeah. I got Mortal Kombat 1 on my docket here. Um, Mortal Kombat 1, very interesting game, a soft reboot for the MK universe, kind of setting a new timeline based on the events of the last game. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, I, I picked this up via Gamefly. I, I, you know, it's not a game that I would outright buy, you know, full stop with all my money. I just wanted to kind of dabble have some fun with the story mode and move on and, uh, and and have some fun along the way. And that's exactly what I got. Um, it is very much a movie-like four to five hour story mode. Um, it's, it's, and I say movie-like because it does feel very much like a movie. The transition between cinematics into fighting and back to cinematics is very, very cinematic. It's very cinematic. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, go yeah. figure. But um, it, it is, uh, it's, it's pretty cool the way they do that. Um, and they also delve into what's new in this alternate timeline. So longtime fans of the series will get a chance to see what these alternate reality versions of 
legacy characters are are doing in this new world uh, and what might be different about them. You know, for instance, like some of the characters who were cantankerous assholes in, in the original timeline are actually good you know they're they're good guys in the new timeline, so they do a lot of stuff there to kind of um, you know reset the board and kind of lay things out in a, in, a, in a new and unique way. The problem is that uh, as fun as the story mode is, the further you get, especially towards the end, it gets way too over the top with like timeline zaniness, and mm. it it gets to a point where like look, I know Mortal Kombat is innately campy to an extent right it always has been but i think that they're oversteering at this point where they spent a lot of like the first half of the story making this seem like you know it's a little it's got a little bit of the marvel quippiness to it but it was always like pseudo serious and then by the time the end of the game comes around it's like all bets are off it's it's full you know full-blown chaos and uh, you know i don't want to get into spoilers for people that are playing it but it, it just didn't do it for me in the end but it's it was still fun it's just the story was kind of eh when it was all said and yeah. done um but um you know i think on the gameplay side thankfully the fighting mechanics feel great uh it's very nicely balanced nicely tuned pacing's a little slower than, than its predecessor but still very snappy and of course the fatalities and special moves are as cool as ever yeah. uh, and then on the presentation side you know good visuals uh slightly a little too contrasty and over sharpened weirdly enough it, it, you'll know when you play it but uh still very nice looking game uh good sound design very crunchy and clean as you'd expect and voice acting is generally fine but a bit over exaggerated um i didn't hear the infamous megan fox dialogue uh as i think sonya blade but i've heard it's like it makes like the nba 2k dialogue from the players in the league f- look yeah. like metal gear voice acting uh but you know i, they, I they always that do that it was i don't think i don't think she's i don't think she's plays sonya blade i think she plays a different character it might be somebody else yeah, yeah but it was last year or the, the previous game it was Ron, ronda rousey playing uh, uh one of the characters i think i might get my and, wires crossed yeah and that was pretty terrible yeah uh yeah. so the celebrity the celebrity stuff doesn't it's not always working out for them maybe they should skip it next for the next game but nah, yeah i mean i, I mortal kombat always seemed for me i've always liked mortal kombat uh but recently in the last couple of years i've kind of just not been really interested in, in the fighting game period but this looks cool it's not a game like i didn't play uh street fighter i didn't play i'm not playing i'm not going to play this but i'm glad that the fans of the series yeah. are are getting are getting what they wanted. And, and for all intents and purposes, it looks like it's another great Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, I mean, FYI, I am a casual. I am a super casual. I am not a tryhard. I did not play. Dude, I literally finished the story mode. I played a couple of matches, you know, offline, and I, I packed it up and sent it back already. I, I yeah. All I wanted was the story mode, uh, just to know where kind of things are going narratively. And I got that, and I'm done. Um, but, you know, it's a fun game for casuals and pros, I think. But I think the series just needs to really pick a lane with how campy or how serious it wants to be taken, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was Mortal Kombat 1. And then the last thing on my side here, uh, finally rolled credits on the Expanse, a Telltale series. So Episode 5 mm. has dropped. Um, and I'll say, you know, th- this this whole experience has had a lot of highs and lows. I- I'd say that the end chapter here, it's a solid ending to a, a you know a mostly mediocre uh, game. I would say uh, the climax feels 
decently tense and, and fairly definitive, uh, including some potential deaths based on your player choices. So there's a little bit of that going on. Um, but I still think the game ultimately falters from its inability to effectively spotlight drummer's crew and make them feel meaningful. Yeah. Um, so the moments just don't hit as hard because you don't really have an attachment to anybody, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, towards the end, there are some more tie-ins to the show uh, in the game's final moments, which I think is really cool. So I kind of nerded out about that. Um, but I think story-wise, uh, it, it was just kind of fine. Uh, it, it definitely could have been way worse. But, um, you know, I think narratively, it's just kind of okay. Uh, and I think the same extends to the gameplay sections. Thankfully, there's no derelict ships this time uh, at all. Um, it's mostly just, you know, a lot of action moments and QTEs uh, based on kind of things kind of hitting the fan uh, narratively. Uh, but nothing, you know, unusual that we didn't see in previous chapters. I just think they kind of ramped up the, the stakes a little bit uh, in those final moments. So I'd say, you know, look, it's a decently well-made game. Um, I'd say it's probably the best playing Telltale series game I've, I've, I've seen um, in their history, but it's still filled with missed opportunities to truly make its cast of characters feel approachable, interesting, and worth caring about, which hamstrung this game from beginning to end for me. Yeah. So, how do you feel about like the future of, of of Telltale, like specifically The Wolf Among Us too? Does this give you any pause, or was this decent enough to where you feel like they know what they're doing with uh, The Wolf Among Us that they'll probably knock it out of the park anyway? Oh, I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm concerned. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, The Wolf Among Us. Uh, you know, for for context, is I think in my top thirty. Let me just double check that. Yeah, it is number thirty for me. It's so um, fire. It's it's great. Uh, so, you know, if they're going to be as limp narratively and writing wise as they were here, then I'm concerned. My hope is that because it was the expanse, maybe that kind of threw them for a loop a little bit, maybe because the wolf among us is a, is a sequel, they are already familiar enough with it, but I don't know because who knows what kind of telltale this is anymore yeah right? and and the thing is is they kind of like painted themselves into into a pretty difficult corner because this is a prequel to something that already exists and so the your 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 character's final you know your character where they're going is already predetermined and so they could only do so much before they get there so uh, it, it, they narratively they were pretty hum, hamstrung to begin with but then you add to the fact that because I've experienced the same thing where I'm not really into my crew or anything like that. I had a really good connection with somebody and I lost them early on, you know, so, it, you know, from then I, I haven't played the last episode just yet. So but uh, we'll see where that goes. But I am I am excited to see what to do with Wolf Among Us, too, but definitely a little bit concerned based on what I've seen here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but Pablo, let me go ahead and kick it over to you because you have another game you need to talk about. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping there's, there's been a little bit more of updates here uh, with this one because it's, yeah. it's a pretty big deal. So what do you got? It, it's, yeah, it's Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, it, it took me a lot longer than I expected to hit my stride. There's a lot to take in. It's systems heavy and, and doesn't always do a great job of explaining those systems. It's obviously D&D, uh, but I've never played D&D. So, you know, there's, there's an unfamiliarity to the people who come in the uneducated uh that don't really know much about dnd uh but now that i'm understanding the systems a little better it's slowly but surely making progress through uh making my progress through act one my thing is marco and i don't know if it's because i'm coming off of just 90 hours of, of starfield that 
I am still finding um I'm I'm finding it kind of hard to get into it. Like I found my stride, I know what I'm doing, everything is 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 great. Uh but kind of like me being enthralled and amazed the way people talk about uh Baldur's Gate 3. I'm a little bit I'm not there. Admittedly, I think I I I at very early on I was paralyzed by choice. Uh, the things that you can do in this game, you can't do. I mean, they really blur the line between that. There's not, there's not much you can't do in this game. Is basically what I'm saying. And so, once you finish a quest, it's always in the back of your mind: Did I do this correctly? Is this outcome the outcome in which is going to net me the best possible story beats, so on and so forth? So I found my, I found myself questioning a lot of what I was doing, reloading a lot of things before the quest was over to see if I could do it a different way. And lo and behold, there was an almost seemingly an infinite amount of different ways to approach any particular situation each with their very different outcomes to the whole story and the way the world reacts to you it's it's so insane that one choice can be so different and so damaging or 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 not damaging and really you know give uh, save a whole group of people or literally have them all die like it's not it's there's so much there but I would say the thing that's holding me back the most, it's the combat. The combat in this game is very long every time you hit an encounter. And it isn't just that you can press the button and attack. You have to really, really plan out your attack. Your team composition has to be pretty perfect because there are certain things that you have to do. You're not only working your character and your, your companions to attack, but also to help each other do a thing that's going to help this character be able to move out of range of the enemy so he won't get attacked when he moves. Little things like that, little tactical things that are very important because it can really change the the outcome of that of, of that combat encounter in an instance. And so if you go going into the first couple of combat scenarios, it it, it feels very overwhelming. It undoubtedly feels like you're doing something wrong because you probably are so there's so much happening here that I, I just can't completely wrap my head around it in a way where I feel completely comfortable in in it and, and that's the thing that's kind of like I, I, I'm definitely going to keep playing it I am going to I did pause it to, to, to kind of know life life of, life of um, lies of P uh, but I, I am a little concerned that this is going to be one of those games that people love and adore and it's just a game that's not going to be for me which I have to learn that that happens but I am really interested to see where the story goes I really like my character I really like the fact that I am a bard and I can pretty much talk my way out of any situation the dice roll mechanic is is great I love that about it but it's just I'm in a position right now where I've I've heard people talk about this game the way I talked about Starfield and just I, I'm not there well, I'm not there yet, and it's just concerning because it's there's so much happening in this game, and there's so much good about it, and I understand it from the outside looking in, but when I'm in it and I'm sitting down, controller in hand, I'm kind of finding myself being distracted and thinking about some other things, uh, thinking about different games. So I don't know what exactly my journey is going to be with Baldur's Gate 3 uh, going forward. Uh, I just know that once I, I kind of get through Lies of P and then probably Mirage in the coming in the coming days and, and obviously Phantom Liberty and then Alan Wake 2, I don't know exactly where I'm on Spider-Man 2. I don't know exactly where I'm going to, to, to find time to really get into this. But as it stands right now 
I, 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 I love it for what it is. It's just that the way that it's being talked about, I'm just not there yet in terms of how I feel about the game. Well, there's, there's, there's a few ways to look at it. I, if you're asking me personally, I think that you yeah. jumped on the game too soon. If mm-hmm. I'm being honest, I think you know trying to juggle it alongside Starfield was going to be pretty tough. Putting it off, waiting. Now you jump back into it. Now Liza P has you. I think the start, stop, start, stop kind of thing is probably keeping you from deep diving as much as you. I guess want to, but if other games have your attention right now, dude, I would just focus on those and then come back to Baldur's Gate three. Yeah. All you do is stand to gain, you know, more out of that because you're letting more time pass for patches to come and make the game even better. Uh, which they're they just put out a patch that fixed a, over a thousand more things. I mean, and I think you just got to give yourself some some airspace to play the game without having another thing that you're really really obsessed about. Um, so I, I would just yeah. I would just wait, man. I, you're not going to get a lot I, it, because I think what you what what I've noticed over the years, and this might not be the case now, is that sometimes I think you want these games to compete for your attention, and yeah. Liza P already has your attention. That's not changing. And there's yeah. nothing that Baldur's Gate's going to do at this point to, to to affect that. So I would just go with what you want to play now and come back to Baldur's Gate 3 when you've got a good window of time to really dive into it and just solo that thing. Like, yeah, all yeah. the way. Which, which I hope to get around November time when November comes around. But yeah. I, on, in, this, on this, in the same kind of vein, I, I, I do think that a game that the way that people talk about this game, that it should have already... You know, like something about the game should have clicked in a way where I'm like, okay, I really get it, and and I'm just not there yet. So it's it probably because of that as well. But well, I yeah. also want to shoot you some bail because I also think that people have done a, and it, you know, it's easy for me to say because I haven't played the game yet, but I think people tend to do a shit job of of explaining what a game is like when they are in love yeah, with yeah. it. When they're in love with the game, yeah, yeah. people have a hard time explaining why they love it. They just get very you know, feelings, it just made me feel this and it made me feel that. Yeah, but like, how does the game function? Like, I've even watched like beginner's guides to to Baldur's Gate 3 just to kind of get in the mode and the mindset of it before it comes out on Xbox. And even then, it's like, I still don't understand what you guys are talking about. You're still explaining things to me in a wonky way. So I, I think a lot of it is just the way the community talks up this game as well, because the game probably has flaws and I don't think the combat is for everybody. And I don't think that, you know, I've even heard that, you know, it's not, it's open-ended, but it's not open-ended in the ways that some people liked either. But it just, that that kind of stuff gets lost in like the bloviation of, oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. this, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, I'm expecting to get a, a game with pros and cons just like any other when I eventually get my hands on it. Um, and that's why I think it's, I think people got to kind of like relax a little bit yeah. with like the hyperbole with the game. Like, listen, <laughs> for, for this game to have, Three patches that have fixed several thousand bugs. You cannot <laughs> sit. You cannot sit here and tell me that that game was just incredible and almost flawless. It wasn't flawless because there wouldn't right. be three thousand fixes to the game, right? So, um, I, I think I, it's not all you. I think the game is just. It, it's probably. It's probably a masterpiece, but it's not a. Uh, a flawless masterpiece you know what i mean well the thing is 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 one thing we always have to keep in mind as as with people like us in the entrenched in the hobby is that not everything is going to be for everyone right and um yeah but i will say though to kind of give it a 
the one thing that I'm completely in awe of is the companions and the conversations that you have with companions. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with Act One, and each of my companions are fully fleshed out characters that are they have their own issues and their own problems and things are happening to them outside of the main mission that you're either in or not in on you can you know things are happening on their own and it's so it's so cool the way the way they do that because you can come in randomly into a situation where someone's having and i won't spoil what that is and then something happens to that character and you're like holy shit they were going through all of that so it, it, there's a lot when it comes to the companion piece, the conversation piece, all that stuff, that is amazing. But the funny thing about that is, is if you don't pick a bard who has heavy persuasion or charm, you may not even get that part of the game too mm-hmm. much, and it, it might not be an option for you. So uh, that that that's one thing about the game. So there's a lot there. You, there's a lot here to unpack for sure, and we'll see when it comes time where I have actual time to to play this. If this is a game that it's going to end up being the 96 in my head that I know people talk about, but in terms of uh, it's open critic score, but mm-hmm. we'll see when, we'll see when that time comes, if it comes, you know? All right. Well, uh, in the meantime, uh, why don't we go ahead and move on to the next segment of the show, Pablo, which is the news segment that we call hit points for breaking news, rumors, and booty juice. It's time for hit points. All right. So, uh, full disclosure, we are saving the Xbox leak information for the checkpoint chat so if you're expecting that right now just kind of stay tuned a little bit longer uh but stick around because this is still going to be a good segment because we have some pretty interesting uh stories to talk about speaking of which uh little tokyo game show update because microsoft announced a few new games that are coming to game pass uh during the event uh, and that includes like a dragon gaiden the man who erased his name like a dragon ishin and ace attorney trilogy and this kind of got me to thinking, Pablo, and I, I kind of want to blow this out into a, a you know a larger conversation. I think it, you know just between these new Game Pass announcements and when we think about the year of Game Pass as a whole, with the Lies of Peas, Persona Three Reload coming, Persona Five Tactica, Gotham Knights, Starfield, Forza, Hi-Fi Rush, you know, so on and so on. Is this the best year that Game Pass has ever had, in your opinion, and? Do you think that Game Pass is finally worthwhile again in 2023? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I personally uh, think that this has been one one of the greatest turnarounds in a company within a calendar year because early on this year, January, February, very silent uh, from Xbox. We were expecting so much for updates on Starfield, updates on Redfall, and they seem to have been playing that very close to their chest. And then once all that stuff started to come out, and then you know Starfield actually releases, and they do this, and, and they show they're not done yet, that they have more games, not only coming out this year, but also coming out next year. Yeah, I, I really do feel like like Game Pass is, it's not, I don't, I never thought that it was not worth it, but I think now Game Pass for me is a must. If you own an Xbox Series X or if you own an Xbox period, I think you need to be subscribed to Game Pass, at least right now, because the things that are coming, the things that exist on that platform right now are quite honestly they're unmissable games you know starfield for example forza coming up now and 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 the the, the japanese the, the thing that they're finally doubling down tripling down on the japanese market 
and and they're not only doing it by releasing hey this jrpg that you guys love is going to be on our platform no it's also going to be on game pass you know giving those people the opportunity that may not be into that culture finally experience a jrpg or a game from japan in, in in that way so yeah man i think right now game pass is a must in my opinion, I think it, it, it you have to have Game Pass right now if you're an Xbox owner. It's just it's it's just you're missing out so much. You're missing out way too much, and, and to have this system sitting in your home and you not be a part of that Game Pass experience. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's going to be a contingent of people who are going to hear this topic and go, "Well, yeah, it's it's worth it in 2023." But I, I don't I don't think the answer has been that straightforward. Um, right. I think. When you look back at last year, um, that was bad. Uh, you know, and obviously the delays to Starfield and Redfall kind of did Xbox in, and we'll talk about that more in the next segment. But even then, I mean, when the most you have to speak of is like Pentiment, I mean, that's a that's a pretty dry ass year. And so, you know, I never, you know, I, I never said it outward, but I had I had canceled Game Pass for a while. I was kind of off Game Pass, and I didn't really have much of a reason to to use my Xbox, period. Um, and, you know, yeah, this year, to me, has been not without its flaws, um, right. but I think with the shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush, that was really the the start of what felt like, okay, maybe this year could be something, you know, of, of note. And I think... With the exception of Redfall, probably, um, I think this has been a pretty incredible year on the Game Pass front. You finally have first-party games that are coming out that are the the big-budget marquee games, and those, for all intents and purposes, are doing well. Um, Ten million strong for Starfield—that's pretty big deal. Um, you know, you have Forza coming around the corner. Hi-Fi Rush turned out to be a great little surprise. And then you've got the Sega support with uh, Persona and uh, the Like a Dragon series. You've got these, you know, these games that people didn't really want to buy. But hey, now that it's coming out on Game Pass, I might as well try it. Lies of P is a good example of that. Even games that kind of, you know, didn't get reviewed well that you can kind of go and try out out of morbid curiosity like Gotham Knights and go, hmm, how bad was it? Maybe it isn't as bad as people said, but you, you can exp- not- but you can explore <laughs> that through game pass now so i think that they've done a great job at xbox this year of really getting uh game pass active again and feeling like you know this is a good time to be a part of the service because every time we drop something we drop something that's that's interesting to at least one large corner of the community like need for speed doesn't do anything for me at all but hey that series is hella popular, and I'm sure that when it dropped, people were like, oh, shit, the new Need for Speed is coming. You know, like, that's that's a big oh, that's deal. that's true, yeah. So I think they've got to keep doing that uh, next year to just continue driving the value of Game Pass and to get the numbers up like they want. But I think in terms of this year, it's absolutely worth it, and that's coming from a pretty staunch skeptic of Xbox um, in in me. So uh, it's it's been a great time to to really to co- just constantly see new stuff drop. That's interesting. I know, like Party Animals, for instance, right? Like that's fun, this dude. throwaway game that you wouldn't think is fun, and you know, like you you texted me like it's kind of fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're back to that mode again with Xbox, where it's like Game Pass puts out games that you just wouldn't expect to like that you like and then you go damn 
thank you game pass you know um and that that feels good again it really does yeah and i and i kind of want to speak real quickly to you know there might be some 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 hardcore playstation fans uh that listen to the show and have been listening to our, our show the past couple of weeks months even kind of gloating here about um uh, about xbox but it is what it is but i want to actually kind of address some xbox uh community members as well in terms of like you know we're 2022 was bad and that's just not marco saying it that's the head of xbox saying it you know like the, the, we'll get into that later on but this is we're not we're not we're not navigating here in opinions really all the time there's a factually 2022 was bad and that's not just marco and pablo on this little fucking video game podcast <laughs> saying it the head uncle phil the, the head of <laughs> xbox was tripping because 2022 was trash, you know? Yeah. So, you know, shout out to to, to, to to them kind of realigning what they need to do in terms of make Game Pass. Not only like, yeah, sure, worth it, but unmissable is the word I'm going to use. Like, like a must-own, a must-have in 2023. Yeah, what's really going to help them too is replayability with their first-party games, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about Starfield, with the new game plus feature that's going to keep that game installed on a lot of people's xboxes for the next few years the modding community it's going to inject new life into that game on a constant basis then you get to forza motorsport which is basically a live service game without the the battle pass bullshit right hell yeah so there's always going to be a reason to keep coming back and checking on that game um you know had redfall worked out that would have been a game that would have you know continued to be you know new features coming just like sea of thieves and you know games like that so what also helps is that these games they put out they don't just go out you know have three four months in the sun and then they just kind of fade into the sunset like they just keep staying relevant and i think i give i give them a lot of credit for that even with halo infinite um low-key kind of a good turnaround happening on the halo infinite side of the spectrum right now um, and so that also adds to the value of Game Pass as well, because it's not one of those services where I'll I'll sign up for three months, I'll play all the games I want to play, and then I'll cancel. You can do that, but you might miss out on a lot of new stuff coming to the games that you actually enjoyed. So that's what makes it worth sticking around with yeah. at this point. Um, and I'm excited for that. I really am. But um, yeah, because damn, I was rooting for Xbox hard last year, but I, it's just it got to a point where it was like, oh God, there's no reason to turn this thing on. And yeah. that was and, that was not fun. Not and by fun. that same token, twenty twenty four, you better believe me and Marco are gonna be rooting hard for PlayStation. Here we to, are to, yeah. to to turn that around. Yeah, we're a very unbiased podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Like we yeah. we want then, we want all these companies to do great, but it just seems like they're kind of hitting the ball over the net of yeah. of, of suckitude. <laughs> now, <laughs> now it's PlayStation's turn, man. But I uh, know, ugh, dog days yeah, on the PlayStation but, side. I know you mentioned Starfield, but speaking of Starfield, uh, in an interview with GameIndustry.biz, Bethesda's head of publishing, uh, Pete Hines, confirmed that Arcane is not, I repeat, not done with Redfall. He believes that Redfall will become a game people will want to play on Game Pass 10 years from now. He compared Redfall's Rocky Star to like the Ed- uh, Elder Scrolls uh, Online, uh, but uh, whoa, my whole computer did a thing. Uh, that was fun. Anyway, uh, they compared. Are you, are you uh, still recording right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, it was my. It's it's like 
it's the uh, it's a thing where we have our notes in. But anyway, uh, he kind of compared it to Elder Scrolls Online and Fallout 76, where which both started rough and turned things around. He also said that they're still working on updates for the game, including a 60 frames performance mode. Uh, so is this the right call, Marco? I know this game came out and it was it, it wasn't bad. It was like horrible. Like it just everything that could go wrong went wrong for this game. And but do you think Arcane should still dedicate time, or should they cut bail and just get get you know move on from Red? what do you think um here's the thing pablo um i i had a hard time with this one but ultimately where i landed is that i think this is the right call because i'm one of those people i'm one of those people where if you're trying to make the next game you know arcane studios making the next whatever game which we i think we know what it is but we'll hold that for later yeah. But if you're going to make that game after you made this one, I'm worried about you, man. I can't trust you, you know, because you didn't not only did you make the uh, Redfall terrible, but you didn't do anything to to salvage it, to fix it, to make it better or more playable or more enjoyable to not do anything for a game that needs this much work and just cut bait and move on. To me, that's just that's a little too much. I don't need them to make Redfall like incredible but if you can at least get it to a point where you make good on the 60 frames promise and you add some quality of life features to make it you know a little bit more enjoyable um i think that is a much better look for arcane and bethesda than to just cut bait cut bait move on and make their next game and hope that people don't you know hold redfall against them you know, like I just I think it would be kind of lousy to do that to people. Um, you know, I, I get that Redfall is kind of dead in the water, but there is truth to what he said. I mean, you can you can save games from the clutches of, of death if you if you work hard enough. Um, but I think at this point, to me, it's more of a it's more of a PR image type of thing for me than it is making Redfall great. You know, make it make it make it decent. Don't you have to make it great, but make yeah, it decent. I, I'm actually going to. I'm actually going to disagree with you in that when they started talking about this game after it came out, one of the things that kind of stood out for me was that they were trying to get bought out and they knew that the game as service thing was the way that people is what publishers wanted. And so this was kind of an idea that they were cooking to entice other people to buy them. And it never felt like the way they talked about the game, like their heart was fully into it. As a matter of fact, there were so many diverging kind of, of explanations as to what this game is was or what what it, what it was going to be and it turns out when it came out it, it felt like an amalgamation of, of a whole bunch of ideas that never come together i don't think when you look at at, at, at uh, cyberpunk and their comeback and even uh, no man's sky there was the core of that game was good it just needed to be worked on i don't think the core of starfield is good Not I, starfield. I just don't I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Redfall is good. I just don't think it's good, and I don't. Th- they can they can do the quality of life stuff. They can do the 60 frames performance mode stuff. Sure, I just don't think it's ever going to be the thing that behind is saying it's going to be. In 10 years, people are going to be playing it or or still playing it. I just don't think the game is good enough to to do that. And the effort that is going to be needed to fix this game is almost tantamount to remaking this game into something completely different. And I am an arcane fan and I would want Arcane to work on something else, completely move on. Now, 
if they were like, hey, we're going to go ahead and give this to a different studio to work on, then at that point, you know, a support studio to, 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 to make the, the promises in which they had become reality, I would be far more okay with that. But regardless of how we feel about certain games that Arcane has made in the past, because I even have my opinions uh, with the Death, uh, death was it Death, uh, what's it called? Death, death Loop. loop. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still think Arcane is a premier development team within the scope of Bethesda and Zenimax, and I think they need to be working on their next game that is going to prove that to the people who may not have been familiar with Arcane and all they know about it is Redfall. And I think that it's it, it it's it, at this point in time, I know it, it will seem shitty to cut bait, but I think it's the right thing to do at this point. Nobody has any expectations for Redfall. I don't think there's really even in the depths of the internet, <laughs> a group of people who are so into Redfall that they want to see. I'm sure there is, but you know, you know, and I'm speaking in hyperbole here, but it just, it's, there's nothing about this game that feels like it could be fixed. And so I would, I would much rather them just move on, uh, call it a day, admit defeat, and then their next game, they have to kill it. That's, that's the one thing though. That their next game, they have to absolutely kill it. They, it can't be a paint by the number sequel. It can't be a uh, it, it can't be a, too much of a far fetched new IP like Deathloop and, and 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 Redfall. It has to be something that is is going to be incredible and it's going to utilize the arcane magic in terms of their immersive sim uh, gameplay in ways that we've either not seen before or perfected in a way that we've wanted them to do for a long time. That's kind of where I'm coming uh, coming from it. Yeah, uh, Arcane ain't got no damn magic. Never did. Um, hey, so, round listen to him, guys. Rounding out our hit points, uh, real quick. Let's talk a bit about uh, the future of the Like a Dragon series slash Yakuza series, because we have some more information about the new mainline game, Infinite Wealth, uh, which launches on January twenty sixth. So, the game will take place in Hawaii and Yokohama, with Ichiban and Kiryu as dual protagonists. Ichiban will be looking for his once thought to be dead mama. Go ahead and say it. Mama! There it is. And uh, <laughs> Kiryu, on the other hand, uh, who has been the, the longtime protagonist of the series, reveals that he has cancer. The sea can't word. catch a break! Damn. Um... The game will be a revamped turn-based RPG system, uh, along with occasional switches to the old Yakuza-like beat-em-up style as they square off against the Chinese Mafia and the Yakuza itself. Uh, So, Pablo, how are you feeling about the game, and how excited are you? Very excited. Um, I I, I, I like Like a Dragon uh, quite a bit. But uh, I, you know, I miss my boy. I miss Kiryu-san. I want him uh, here, and a lot of the trailers showed like Majima's back and, and and I'm really I'm really looking forward to to the spectacle of this game the story that these games always uh they always turn something they always turn a silly premise or something kind of like what the fuck into something amazing in terms of its story uh and I'm really interested to see what 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 it is and I'm, I'm interested to see how the dual protagonist stuff works um but I, I I'm into it man I am a huge fan of these games and I can't wait for more uh, how about you? Not very excited. Hmm. Not excited. Um, this whole cancer thing, dude. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate that. I I hate this type of plot device. I really do. Um, when you think about like Arthur Morgan having tuberculosis in Red I Dead Redemption that. 2, I hated it. When you think about uh, 
old snake from MGS4. Hated that. Coughing out his lymph nodes in front of people for 20 hours. I cannot stand the sick lead protagonist plot device. I hate it. And you know, <laughs> and you know with a game as melodramatic as Like a Dragon is, <laughs> they are going to lean so hard into this thing. And it's going to be so emotional and save your strength. No, I must fight. And you can already tell they're doing that with the trailer that they showed. I do not want to deal with that. I just can't. I cannot deal with that. I have to listen to this constant. You know he's going to be on his soapbox getting real preachy about life and the meaning of life and stuff like that. Oh, no, man. No. Why do we do this to the people we love? And I don't know. And I can't completely... I don't have faith in them killing Kido either. Like at the very end, it's gonna be like, and he got chemo and everything is fine. <laughs> la 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 da da. da. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the new theme song too. Yeah, that's like, everybody knows that man. That's the that's the thing that happens every like time. Like a circus is what they should call the series. Yeah, yeah. It, I I love the, the melodrama, man, uh, and I agree with you that the, that they're the. def. <laughs> they're definitely going to lean into that and it's probably going to take up a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the game where it's going to be like oh, okay here we go another speech about you know savoring every moment because you never know it's going to be uh, your last and I but I I love that stuff man I hope that it, I hope that it's good I hope that it's good listen I, I'm not we're not here uh, Marco would, would be the first one to tell you if it works it works and I'm the, I and I also tell you if it doesn't work it, it won't work you know like once we play the game we'll, we'll tell you how we really feel but I, Marco isn't wrong like if anybody who's played a Yakuza game they love their melodrama Oof, they love that it's shit gonna be a, it's gonna be a cancerous soap opera from hell man I, I don't know I don't know if I can deal with it I mean the rest of the game looks fun and, and crazy and psychotic in all the ways I like, but to know they're gonna bring it down to that every time it's gonna get serious. Oh no, man. I can't yeah. do it. But uh nevertheless, let's go ahead and keep moving uh through our segments here. But before we do that, listen, if you've made it this far, if you like what you're hearing, if you dig what we're all about, uh why not consider subscribing to our podcast right now? Uh we are Hell of yeah. course wherever you're streaming us right now so you can do it quickly from where you are. Uh you can also find us Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google or pretty much anywhere you like to stream podcasts or music, you can find us there. Uh and look, while you're there, maybe leave a nice review for us too. Those types of things go a huge long way for little podcasts like ours. We know that we know that everybody wants you guys to follow, subscribe and hit the like button, leave comment. Everybody wants you to do these things, but very few very few of them earn it. Uh, but we hope that through our consistent content where we drop in episodes every single Monday, you can always count on us. And uh, you can always count on us to be ridiculous. You know, last week Pablo talked about pooping issues, uh, irritable bowel status, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no shame yeah. in our game whatsoever. It is um, what it is. You know. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess it is. That just is just a weird timing there. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're we're a fun show. We're a fun show. And we do things a little bit different around here. So if you like that, Give us a follow. It won't cost you nothing. Okay? Um, so let's go ahead and round out the show with our main event, which is the Checkpoint Chat. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, Pablo. It's getting leaky out here in these streets, man. Uh, it is It is. It is a very, very crazy time for Xbox for so many reasons. Um, between the Starfield you know, derangement syndrome across the internet... <laughs> the, the Activision Blizzard acquisition drama, 
raging on. And then you have the biggest Xbox leak ever. Uh, and that's, I, I would say probably the biggest industry leak ever. I don't, I can't recall anything leaking. Like we're not just talking about a game. This we're talking our about entire future. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Insane. Yeah. So yeah, if you, if you, if you missed it for some reason, uh, an official, unredacted FTC document from back in 2020 uh, has been revealed, which divulged uh, several shocking details about Xbox's roadmap and future. So uh, we're going to unpack the information that we learned and kind of tell you what we're thinking about Xbox's strategy and their future as a whole. But Pablo, I kind of want to start with, uh, you know, just your, your, your gut reaction to this. I mean, a lot of people have talked about this leak and, and they've called it, you know, a sad day or sad time for Xbox. Um, how are you feeling about it, though? Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, look, it's always, it's, every time you have all the information on hand, we want companies to be transparent. It's always good. But, like, when it's out of their hands and they can't really, when they can't really set it up, you know, and they have all these things out there and then it's open to speculation and people are commenting on these things, it really kind of takes that out of Xbox's hand. And now for the foreseeable future, they're just going to, they're just doing damage control, you know? And so it is, it sucks for them a, as a whole. Uh, but I think if you're an Xbox fan or just a fan of video games, I think what leaked is pretty exciting mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. I will say the caveat, all of this is that Phil has said whether he's again, it's just damage control. Seeing a lot of this has changed. Uh, so we'll see how true that is. And, and we'll definitely see that when, throughout the years. Uh, but yeah, it is a, it is a, a, a it's kind of sad to, to see something like this happen because, you know, all the people working so hard on this shit. And then, you know, you're kind of taking the winds out of the out of their sails a little bit with, with this stuff, you know. So we'll see how they recover when it comes to these showcases when, oh, we know what they're going to announce, you know, because we've already seen it. So we'll see what they do to, to, to kind of, uh, you know, circumvent that. But we'll see. What do you think? Um, yeah, I I guess um, the, the whole sad day for xbox thing really didn't resonate with me too much because i think honestly it was um it kind of turned out to be a good look for xbox in my opinion yeah. i mean obviously you know the internet's going to be the internet and warp things and and you know make everything sound like the worst thing ever but i i, I tend to tune myself out to those things these days i think honestly it it was exciting to see just how much they have in the pipeline uh obviously i would have preferred that they can you know announce these things when they were ready to and they have the messaging right and, you know, details finalized because now, you know, they're going to be held to a standard that might be obsolete. Um, but I still think that looking at what they're trying to do in, in terms of how they're positioning Xbox as a brand, um, what, you know, at least one of their internal studios is up to, I think it, it all looks really promising in terms of, you know, seeing that the, 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 the infamous pipeline uh, of Xbox is really it's really, you know, here and it's not going to slow down much. I mean, COVID had a huge effect on a lot of things, I'm sure, from this 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 roadmap of theirs. But um, I think that this all, to me, looked 
pretty good, um, either from a console standpoint, a game standpoint, or even just business strategy. Um, I liked the way that they looked aggressive, especially with the acquisition stuff we'll be talking about. I think that um, I didn't see anything that made me go, because consider the alternative. What if we got this huge leak and Bethesda's release schedule was you know, two things and none, neither of them were yeah, interesting yeah. or the hardware was like, well, we don't know what we're going to do next. And then we're sitting here talking about, oh, Xbox doesn't even have a plan. You know, like, so I, I think that to see that they do and that it is at least in some capacity fairly fleshed out and they have a vision yeah, yeah, for yeah. the brand. I think that's very uplifting um, despite the circumstances. But yeah, um, my favorite thing to come out of this is uh, you know, the, the people who aren't fans of Xbox like, yeah, Phil portrays such a nice guy, but he's he's actually kind of like all of, you know, a jerk on the email. I, we've been telling you this. He's he's a business man. He, he he knows what's up. He, the, the reason Phil's in the position he's in, not because he's Mr. Nice Guy, it's because he knows how to he knows how to present himself. He knows how to talk about the brand. But when it comes to the job and from the emails and all the leaks, he's about his business. And that's why Xbox is in the position that it's in in terms of it recuperating and having that huge comeback story. It's because of Phil. You yeah. Know? Well, Pablo, why don't we go ahead and start kind of unpacking some of this? Um, I, I want to yeah. begin with hardware. And uh, why don't you kind of run through the bullets that we have? And we'll kind of talk through these a little bit each, uh, each of the way through. Yeah, so it looks like we're getting a console refresh, and that's an all-digital Series X with two terabytes of storage, a new redesign. It is $499, and it has a time frame of release of October 2024. Uh, do you want to unpack those as we go? or just uh, Yeah, a little bit, because I think yeah. that the mid-gen refresh has been a pretty big point of contention lately um you know i know people that i talk to that are kind of bummed that they're not going to do a, a pro version of the series x right um i've i have been enamored with the fact that they're not going to do that to be honest i like that they're not playing the hardware race with with playstation that they're content with just continuing to build on what they have now instead of putting themselves in a situation where they are splitting development three ways Instead of just right. two right now with the X and S, um, I think that can that that can send development cycles kind of screeching to a halt a little bit uh, if they're not careful. So I like that they're not trying to play that game with PlayStation anymore. I, I like that they're they're giving me peace of mind as a consumer to say you don't need to buy our console and then be paranoid for the next three years that you're going to be you know playing the inferior box. In, right, you know, way earlier than you were supposed to, especially since the generation started off so sluggish with uh, predominantly cross-gen games for the first two and a half years. You know, we really haven't yeah. seen what these consoles can truly do. And to finally start hitting their stride and then go, oh, well, now we have a new console coming out that's more more powerful. Uh, you know, thanks for the first few years you had a Series X and got nothing out of it. Like, that would piss me off. So I, I don't yeah. mind the lack of a mid-gen refresh in terms of, like, a hardware upgrade. Um, but, I, I, you know, even then, I don't think I would get this new digital Series X. I'm perfectly fine with the one I have, but I think that's kind of the point. So Exactly. And I will say that the biggest point of contention here about the hardware was the fact that it is all digital uh, and that the pricing is seemingly going to be the same as one with optical disk drive. But there is an upgrade with the terabyte storage, which is now two terabytes. And, you know, again, this is a leak thing. We don't know what the price is going to be for sure. One of the weird things that I saw in the thing that it said it says adorably uh, all digital. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. How cute. Uh, in the thing. 
<laughs> yeah, I think what I think what's what's happening there, and people who've kind of speculated is that this new Xbox is actually going to be a lot smaller than people think it is, and they're going to play up on the little small the smallness of it, and that's why they say adorably all yeah. digital. But yeah, I I'm obviously wait and see. I'm with Marco. I'm not going to be purchasing this because I honestly don't need it, and I actually like the fact that I have a optical disc drive mostly because of GameFly. You right, know? right, and, and, so, and also you know just not having to deal with like the the whole FOMO sweepstakes against the scalper bots online like we yeah, had to do like that was yeah. that was miserable i can't deal with that yeah. again man that that was that no, was a hell nightmare no. so yeah. Thank, yeah. thankfully for marco you you you, you did all of that yeah you, i know marco, yeah and yeah. you didn't pay me no interest either you just said thank <laughs> you i'll pay the exact amount <laughs> not a dollar more not a dollar well i mean i would have paid how many times you hit rash. refresh on that page oh that's crazy here's here's the exact amount to the penny <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Marco uh, Walmart. Man, that uh, friend tax is steep. But anyways, <laughs> then we had a new Xbox controller with uh, gyro uh, support, haptics, uh, quieter button sticks, a lift to wake, and at a sixty nine ninety nine price point. What did you think about the controller, Marco? Hyped. Give me yeah, this, man. man. Um, I am so ready for an upgrade to the base controller. Um, I've never been sold on the elite controller because I've heard so much about the, the build quality and stuff like that. So I've always, you know, been fairly content with the base controller, but it does feel a little too Fisher price at this point in time. And, and, and I think it is due for an upgrade. I really like what they're doing by incorporating some of the features that we've seen in the dual sense. Um, you know, while, uh, while also not bringing everything over that doesn't get used a lot, like the touchpad and the speaker and stuff like that. Really does seem like they're going for something that is, you know. I think it does have speaker though. It does. Oh well, anyway. I think so. Yeah. So be it. I don't know what they would use it for, but other than chat. But uh, hey, more power to you. But um, I think this is great. I think it looks cool too. Uh, it, like the 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 black and white wor- mix. <laughs> Someone said it's wearing pants. <laughs> It kind of does with the yeah. See, uh, now I can't unsee it. See, when I looked at the when I looked at the Dual Sense for the first time, all I saw in my head was Shamu for some reason. Yeah, same yeah. kind of deal. But you know, and ne- nevertheless, um, it's true. I'm looking at I'm it right now. It does look like Shamu. I'm hyped about this though, man. Uh, it it and really I, and is. I think- cool. And I think another thing about the controller, if I'm not mistaken, it has rechargeable batteries too. So that's Yes. Yes. I think I, yeah, I forgot so, to put that here. But yeah, it does have yeah. rechargeables, which is another huge plus. because uh, sure. yeah. running on running on battery, like real batteries, is just whack in twenty twenty three. Uh so yeah, definitely yeah. a much needed upgrade. And I'll be buying this day one. Um, I, I'm excited to see if there's gonna there's gonna be a uh, an elite three to to kind of have all these features. Well, you think it would have been in this in this roadmap though, but apparently they didn't get the they didn't get that approved or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's just not something that they're working on. Honestly, yeah. you know, I think the Elite Two is a pretty great controller. Not the quality stuff, notwithstanding. I mean, I I try to go back to the old controller, uh, just to to to. I don't know why I did. I just I think something I couldn't find my or something fell off. Anyway, I just it was almost. It felt way too cheap in my hand. So hopefully this feels a little better. Uh, a next-gen console mm. uh, 
Coming in 2028 uh, could be cloud-based and digital only. Uh, Microsoft's vision, according to the document, is to develop a next-generation hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deep, deeper immersion and entirely new classes of game experiences, end quote. That was a quote there. Um, Marco, what do you think about their vision for 2028 when it comes to the next generation console yeah i think this one's getting a lot of flack because it's giving a lot of xbox one energy with like the power of the cloud and you know uh what we saw them do with that with like crackdown 3 was pretty much the only example uh and we all saw how that turned out but i think honestly you know and i can't take credit for this for this opinion i i heard this from you know someone lord lord cognito said something to this effect and um you know he's he's somebody that i actually like his opinions on most things he said that we can't think about it with with 2023 brain you know we have to think about this 5 years from now and um look at where technology is at that point and where gaming is trending towards at that point in time and not think about it right now you know cuz the stuff that we're doing now in gaming we once thought that would be ridiculous you know a lot of us yeah. have switched to buying games digital only and if you had asked us about that you know years ago a lot of us wouldn't have thought that would be possible. Oh, I would never do that. I always want to own my games. And then we all kind of fell for the convenience of it, right? And so I think that the same kind of thing could potentially happen here with this next-gen console that they're working on uh, for similar reasons. Another Mm -hmm. thing I think is important to mention is that Hardware isn't everything for Xbox anymore. Um, You know, Xbox is really becoming a platform that is not confined to a piece of hardware, uh, and so I think we're going to start seeing Xbox and Game Pass in a lot of places. We're already starting to see it. Uh, I think it's built in with um, one of the, the TV manufacturers out there. Yeah, Samsung. I think it's, Samsung, yeah, I think it's Samsung. And I think we're going to get a lot more of that. So the fact that they're incorporating even more of the cloud-based stuff into their, uh, their, their roadmap is a big deal. Uh, because yeah. it's going to be a big part of their vision moving forward. Um so I, I, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of here. Um, I think no, it's just I, a, it's a future that we can't necessarily we can't reach out and touch it yet. So it feels it feels well, alien to us right now. It's it's a it's a piece of technology being used by pretty much every major corporation. It just hasn't been implemented successfully, at least not yet, into the video game space. Right. And if anybody could do it, it's Microsoft. And just to be clear, their their Azure, uh, Azure, how you say, however you say it, their cloud-based Azure. system, Azure, yeah, it's being used by PlayStation as well. So like, the, it's not like it's a thing where it's completely uh, unique to Xbox. As a matter of fact, one of the things that the CMA brought up was that they were going to have a sort of monopoly on the cloud. Uh, part of it so it's definitely something that's not just in xbox's future but in the future period when it comes to video games i think one of the things that i saw that was being conflated uh with this is that a lot of talk about cloud gaming turned into this game this console will for sure be digital only they never outright say that i just think a lot of what they were talking about the cloud systems and all that that people just thought that would be the case and it could probably turn out to be the case but i think as it stands right now i i don't think that there's anything like you said to be worried about i really do think that microsoft when it comes to their vision uh i i think that they know what they're doing and if they are going to 
and and they've shown that they want to be a market leader in the video game space. If this is where they're going, that means there's something to that. It's not just a complete shot in the dark here. They're not going to leverage everything that they've been doing now on a maybe this works thing. No, they they this is a a glimpse into the future of not just Microsoft's uh, gaming future, but the gaming as a whole. So it's something that we have to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And um, yeah, and I think that it just again it just kind of speaks to hardware and being the most powerful something or other, not necessarily being the top priority anymore. It's more about. Um, how Xbox is used, how available Xbox is to be used across any device, across any scenario that you might be in. Um, mm-hmm. It's essentially taking the OG premise of Xbox One, it's adding a little bit of Google Stadia, but the, the side of Stadia that had p- actual potential, and then mm-hmm. the Xbox you know, trademarks and, and, and staples and kind of sandwiching all those things together into a new beast that I think, again, is not very easy to comprehend right now but i think the further we get technology wise and into the the la- you know the next 5 years it'll start making more sense and i think it'll be a much more viable uh path forward than we probably think it is right now but absolutely looking forward absolutely. to it but um mm-hmm. let's go ahead and uh, talk games for a little bit um uh, because as part of this whole uh document leak we also got a glimpse into Bethesda's old release schedule uh, and so we have some games here that we're going to kind of highlight here. Pablo, I don't know if we need to stop and talk about each of these, but if you want to, we can, uh, or we can just talk about this list holistically. What do you prefer? Yeah, yeah. I think I'll stop you if I th- if I think there's something. No, no. Let's just go through the whole list and then we'll go through it uh, okay. holistically. I think that works best. Yeah. So among the highlights here, we uh, start with, of course, Indiana Jones, which was originally, interestingly, slated for fiscal year 2022. Um, Gotta have been COVID or something that probably bumped that out. Maybe some other stuff that we're talking about here as well. Uh, speaking of which, Doom Year Zero and DLC, uh, which was supposed to be the next se- uh, the sequel to the series, uh, originally slated for this year. Uh, uh, Elder Scrolls Six was originally slated for fiscal year 2024, which sounds like about the most unrealistic thing ever. Uh, and then we also had the Oblivion remaster, which was uh, pseudo confirmed in this document, which was originally slated for last year. Uh, as far as Fallout goes, the Fallout Three remaster rumors appear to have come from something because it was on this docket and it has a uh, fiscal year window of 2024. And uh, we kind of hinted at it a little earlier with our uh, loadout, uh, our hit points about Arcane, but Dishonored 3 is also on this docket. It's originally slated for next Let's year. Let's go! Let's cancel it. Um, no! Ghostwire Tokyo 2 is also on the list. Uh, it has a fiscal year 2024 release. And then, interestingly enough, an unannounced licensed IP game that we don't mm. know about. And it's not Indiana yeah. Jones because that was already accounted for. So there's something else going on with a license here. Pablo, so when you think about what was on this uh, old release schedule, uh, what are some of the standout things for you? Uh, what are the things, good or bad, uh, that kind of struck you about this list? Yeah, I mean, I one of the things that were interesting, miss, interestingly missing from this is the already confirmed Fallout 4 remaster that they're working on. So maybe something changed here uh, within the Oblivion, the Fallout stuff. Uh, I don't. Uh, this is kind of just proving the point that even though this leak had a lot of information, it it's not all accurate. Obviously, right. 
We still don't have Indiana Jones. Doom, it's nowhere near. But I, I do think that uh, COVID had a big uh, thing to do with this. And the Dishonored 3 thing, I found interesting. I'm a huge fan of Dishonored. But I found interesting because I thought they said themselves is that they weren't really interested in doing more of that right now. So the fact that back in 2020, they were planning to, to release the Dishonored 3 uh, kind of just shows the fact that they definitely had not worked on Dishonored 3 and they, they, they Redfall probably took, uh, took a precedence there. Uh, but Ghostwire was interesting because, uh, before it came out, one of the things that they talked about is that the reason why Ghostwire and in Tokyo was hyphened because their, uh, their idea for Ghostwire is that more games would come out for, for different places. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where they go. Cause one of the things about Ghostwire that they do really, that did great was that, that feeling of being in Tokyo, that that kind of like the, the visual yeah. aesthetic of that, a, a small truncated Tokyo for sure, but that was really dope. Uh, and then the un- unannounced license IP game is probably it's something that they've been kenting at for a while. But in terms of Xbox having their own, it's probably going to be Star Wars related or a, a comic book related because I know that, that it's something that they've wanted to get into in terms of having their own one of those on their systems but this is all really interesting stuff um, but this is this list right here proves to us that these were plans that they had and p- plans are subject to change as we've seen that they have changed how about you what do you think about this list um, this is all really exciting stuff even if a lot of it doesn't necessarily appeal to me well I wouldn't even say that I mean Dishonor 3 doesn't do anything for me uh, Doom doesn't do anything for me, and Indiana Jones doesn't do anything for me. But um, so I'm interested what that game is going to be. Yeah, but um, I think. Uh, but in terms of pipeline, uh, this all looked really, really interesting uh, because Bethesda's kind of, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo 2 is probably the one that makes me the most excited because I just I, I'm a believer in that game. I think it's way better than people gave it credit for, and it's six million strong uh, since it dropped on Game Pass, which is another great feat uh, for that game. Um, I would love to see a sequel to that. It doesn't have to be Tokyo. Um, I mean, shit. What as weird as Florida is, we might as well make a game in Florida at this point. You don't, you <laughs> don't even flow. you don't even need supernatural. Orlando. You don't even need supernatural elements. We're just already crazy enough. Um, it's- Ghostwire hyphen Florida man. Oh my god! I actually know a Florida man. Uh, oh, we man. used to work with him, and he got arrested for climbing a light pole and taking a shit. That's Florida on the I four. Um, so right. my bad. All right, what you got to talk about my business, bro? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you said last week was a little rough for you uh, with the bow status, <laughs> but uh, no. But um, I think I'm pretty. I'm pretty hyped about all this. I think that. <laughs> It was probably a little bit of wishful thinking with some of these release windows, though. I mean, I know COVID hit and that that pushed things out and made things challenging. But even then, there was never a chance that we were going to get no damn Elder Scrolls six in 2024. So I think, um, you know, there was a little bit of of like uh, idealism with some of these windows here. But well, I think also it's because. This must have been a list of things that they were planning to do because if I'm not mistaken, this is this was pre the list turned in was pre the acquisition. So I'm sure that they would have wanted to work start on on Elder Scrolls a lot sooner than later. Bethesda would if they were independently owned because you know they want to make money, but because they've got purchased and acquired, I think that Xbox threw them a lot more money to 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 really really hone in on Starfield, and so now they don't need 
to make this money. So that's why they seem to be taking their time with what will be Elder Scrolls Six, which I um I mean uh, look, twenty twenty four is wishful thinking, but man, I, I this gotta come out. It's got to come out before 2028, because, <laughs> I, I, come on, man, we can't wait that this long. I'll tell you what else is wishful uh, thinking, thinking that's coming to PlayStation. Oh, yeah, yeah, because every time a, a, play, a PlayStation game is announced, the conversation is immediately, is it coming to Xbox? Because they haven't said. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to say one way or the other. Uh, yeah. But, man, that's hilarious. Well, let me tag it back to you, man. Uh, why don't you go ahead and walk to the next part of this, man? The acquisitions part of the leak, uh, Xbox was very close to buying W Games before acquiring wait, 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 Bethesda. Wait, what games? <laughs> w B Games. There you go. You got. You only said one letter. What did I say? <laughs> w I said Games. W- no, I said W. I said W B like wrestlers, like uh, Jim Ross says W B. Can you W B? Uh, I said it like Jim Ross. That's not, my bad. No one knows. No one. Yeah. Oh. Awkward moment. Oh. Slobber knocker. Anyway, wow. uh, yeah, Xbox close to buying Werner Werner Brothers games. <laughs> this is um, getting bad. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Phil Spencer showed interest in acquiring Nintendo for a career moment, and Valve was mentioned as a potential acquisition. Marco, what do you think about all this? All right, so people have taken this whole Nintendo thing. I'm beelining right to that. Um, the other That's ones, so stupid, the other yeah. ones, you know, it's whatever. Um, it, the Nintendo component is, it's it's not like Phil is stupid and, and doesn't realize that, you know, Nintendo is Nintendo, or that they're a damsel in distress that needs that needs to be bought up and saved. You know, Nintendo is far from being in a position like that. I think that Phil's point of view was, there's really no reason why Nintendo's game should just be limited to Nintendo consoles um, and that maybe hardware or graphical capabilities are holding them back, which is debatable. You know, you can say, well, Nintendo doesn't care about that, and they don't. And you could also say Nintendo sells a crap load of consoles, right? So uh, I, I think it's just, I think all it really was was Phil Spencer, you know, being competitive and and really wanting to be um, the savage beast of a man that he is in, in the business space um I, Mark, I don't think it's realistic but i think it's it's, it's a good thing the, to strive for it's a good it's good to be ambitious if you were the president of uh, of a company that had an unlimited amount of money and they said give me a wish list of things that you want to do you would go for the best of the best right. you know and that's all he said. He goes, of course, man, as Phil Spencer, as head of Xbox, if he were to buy Nintendo, of course it would be a career moment. But actually, that letter that he wrote was actually stating the facts as to why it wouldn't be possible as well. Yeah. You know, this is just a lot of wishful thinking. Of course, I'd like to buy Nintendo, but obviously it's not going to Yeah, happen. it would never get approved in, you know, in any of the regulatory yeah. bodies <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. And also, let's not act like Nintendo wasn't game for acquisitions before. I mean, they almost made the, the PlayStation, Sony and Nintendo almost made a console together before PlayStation went out on its own. So, like, it, it's not outside the realm of, resp- of, of a possibility, you know, in terms of if when it's all said and done, but of course it's not going to happen. Uh, but how about the other stuff? Because I know uh, Warner Brothers would have been pretty dope, but I'm glad... I'm glad they went Bethesda. I yeah, think me too. that was the right choice there. It was one or the other. And Valve is super interesting because Steam. The Steam. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be crazy. But then again, a lot of like the stuff in terms of people kind of complaining about that as well. It's 
Xbox is at a disadvantage. Uh, PlayStation's been around for a very long time. You know, Xbox came into the game in 2001. PlayStation already had a legacy, and they were already a, a stalwart within the video game uh, world. And so Xbox is trying to fast forward that in, in by buying Activision, Right. And Valve would have been that next step to do that. Will it happen? Probably not. Dave Newell's not going to sell, most likely. I mean, they're doing just fine. Uh, but again, this is just a list of things that he wanted to possibly buy because it would help the Xbox as a whole. So this is all. This is the part of the leak where it's like this is more. This is more kind of like wishful thinking and more or less just kind of what we would want to do. Our our kind of ethos in terms of just getting the best, being the best. That's basically all that this was. A small caveat, though, that I want to add to all this is that CMA has issued a preliminary approval for the ABK deal, so it looks like that's going to happen sooner rather than later, finally, so we can put all this shit behind us and uh, then have uh, you know Phil come in and, and probably buy a PlayStation or something. Why not? You know, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that uh, as far as the Valve stuff goes, I, I see them being a better fit with... Um CD project because you get you obviously get the games and then you get you get GOG as well. Um yep. but you know they they don't seem to be interested in in selling uh so that's that but yeah I mean again it's just it's just you know he's doing his job. He's speculating. He's speculating what could be on the table, what might not be on the table and certain things gain traction, some things just turn into a cool you know like wouldn't it be cool if type of scenario in his head you know it's it's yeah. it's very i think again people have t- taken it and they've you know sensationalized it past the point of what it was originally even about which is you know typical but you know it's just annoying because it kind of you know it, it feeds into why this leak was so controversial because of how people can misinterpret things and create narratives on things that really are pretty straightforward when you really look at the context and what and when you work for a company like a multi-billion dollar company some of the memos that they get are wild i used to work for one and we got a memo once saying that this new product was going to change the world like black lives matter did embarrassing (laughs) it we're talking about logistics we're talking about logistics imagine that shit leaking out there uh they they're very much on their high horse when they're talking about their product and what it means to them and what they want it to mean to everybody else so when it comes to that kind of stuff things that they're, they're it's literally out of their control you can only take with a grain of salt that's true yeah yeah. Now, rounding out the uh, the leaked information is also some Game Pass details. Uh, we found out that Game Pass is one of the fastest growing media subscription based services ever. It uh, apparently reached its first 10 million subscribers in only 34 months, which blew past a lot of uh, big names in the subscription space. Um, and uh, you know, additionally, we learned uh, some some information about like. You know, how Xbox responded internally to the Starfield and Redfall delays, which obviously had an impact on, you know, the incentive of Game Pass. Um, Phil Spencer went as far as to call it a disaster situation um, when that news broke. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it definitely seemed to, to you know, scare him a little bit. 
Um, and understandably yeah. so, given what their their targets are for how many subscribers they want for um, the the service. Uh, and then lastly, we found out some estimated costs uh, to basically acquire games for Game Pass to sort of mitigate that issue with Starfield and Redfall. So they sort of um, you know provided some some rough ballpark estimates, and and those numbers were pretty interesting. Uh, some of the highlight ones of yeah, it was particularly Suicide Squad, which they believed would cost around two hundred and fifty million to bring it to Game Pass. Um, not so expensive now, I would say. Now that we know what that game is, uh, Mortal Kombat One also two hundred and fifty million projected uh, to bring that to Game Pass. Baldur's Gate Three, speaking of not aging well, only five mil uh, to bring that, but <laughs> to Game Pass. Also, the internet not understanding the difference between second run and second rung uh, yeah. was hilarious to me. Uh, they called this a second run game, and people just made it out to seem like he said second rung yeah. game. Man, like he's not, insulted. Not, he's insulting yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But he was right. It's a game that was on PC first, and then it was going to be a second run on, on the consoles. consoles yeah. And they thought five minutes. Here's the thing, though. I, I don't, I don't think. I think that even Larian would have been like okay with the five million dollar payout not for anymore, the they, they cost didn't, the they, bricks not gone anymore. Up. absolutely <laughs> not anymore. It's kind of quite significantly. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think before, and I think someone had said something uh, responding to that, saying that they themselves at Larian Studios were not expecting this amount of exposure and kind of like praise for the game itself. So yeah. you know, all things being rel- relative. Five billion dollars seems like probably in the ballpark of what you would think for a game like that. I still think that's got a chance to come to Game Pass, but I'm, I'm going to keep I'm yeah. going to keep quiet on that. Um, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed Rift would be a hundred million to bring to Game Pass. Rift was that ended up being Mirage. Yes. Um, yeah. Jedi Survivor, three hundred million to come to Game uh, Pass. Yeah. That makes sense. It's a licensed game. Mm-hmm. It's Star Wars. By the way, they announced that they're working on, je- on the third version, the, the third game of this. Can't wait to uh, not play so. it. Um, <laughs> and then on the Rockstar side of things, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, $15 million a month for <laughs> literally a subscription to, to put it on Xbox's subscription. Yeah. So This was interesting because this one and Red Dead Redemption 2, which we're about to, uh, to talk about. $5 million a month, yeah. Yeah, we're... Um, we're in the do- in the document were labeled as the next gen versions of this game, right? And obviously, we saw that by Grand Theft Auto Five, but we never got to see that with Red Dead Redemption Two because they had moved all their assets and people to to, to Grand Theft Auto Six, which sucks because RDR uh, Two looks amazing even now. Imagine a next gen version of that would have been kind of like fucking probably one of the best looking games in in all of video games right now, but uh, a little, fr- a little kind of disappointing on that. Just learning that bit of information through this. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, takeaways uh, outside of what we just talked about is, you know, when he, when he called it a disaster situation for Starfield and Redfall, that was really um, in a weird way. It was good to see that it was good to see that there was no internal delusion about the, Im- Thank God. the amount of damage that was causing the xbox brand last year um they were phil was very much aware this is horrible this is we have a huge problem we have to get our first party portfolio back on track um to make game pass what we need it to be 
So I, I appreciate the fact that there was no internal spin work to play it down or make it seem like it wasn't the, the issue that it truly was. That, that, that makes me feel confident that they are very self-aware. They, they do not bullshit themselves when things are going wrong. No. Uh, and so that, that, I think, is what makes me feel confident in this, this new stride they've been having lately that, okay, they, they, they are fully sober. And they know exactly where they're at, yeah. you know, and, and that's... But they're not, and they're not completely stupid because they're letting the community make excuses for them. Because I remember <laughs> last year, I may even have been at fault a bit, a little oh, bit at this when like, games being delayed, like, oh, you know, it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. for them. Like, and in, in, in little did we know, uh, Phil Spencer is freaking out in his office. It's a disaster. <laughs> a disaster. Someone called, out, someone called and, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And we're all over here kind of like... Uh, well, we were not. You know, you. no, 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 no. I, I mean, I mean, I, I might, I might have said more things like along the lines of, "Well, whatever the game takes to be better," blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, but there were actual people out there like, "This is on. This is fine. They're gonna be okay. Twenty twenty two is still gonna be one of the greatest years for Xbox," which is not something that we said ever. But yeah, so it's it, like you said, Marco. I completely agree. I love the fact that not only. Or they're not delusional, but they they were willing to spend three hundred million dollars on Jedi Survivor to come to Game Pass just so they can you know still be competitive. So not only is it showing that they're not delusional, but they're still competitive and still want to be competitive in that space. So that's incredible to know because if anything happens in the coming years, in the next two or three years, where they run into a situation where they might see some of their first party games being delayed out of that. Year or delayed later into the year that they're going to have a reaction that is that is comparable to this so we might see something to kind of fill those gaps and fill the void that those things might leave so it's great that they're doing this uh and i and i love and i love them for it because a lot of companies out there man they drink their own kool-aid mm-hmm. and they, they hear enough people tell them it's fine They'll think it's fine and they'll act accordingly and it'll it'll end up being a disaster. Well, what ends up happening is a lot of those companies just look at numbers and, and you know, revenue stream and go, well, we're still doing great. And, and yeah. they kind of call it a day. But once once those numbers start tanking and you haven't done anything in all that time to address the problems that were becoming big problems, then now you're spending half a generation trying to recover uh, which yep. is what we saw Xbox do at one point, which is what we saw PlayStation do during the PS3 era. Um, when you get too confident because your numbers are at a certain place, um, that can that can shoot you in the foot down the road. So um, it's it's very important for companies like Xbox or, or Microsoft rather to be extremely cognizant of when things are not working because they have to act quickly because games don't take two years to make anymore. They take four, five, six years. So when things are going bad, you got to act quickly and get the pipeline back on track because otherwise you'll have, you know, one, two, three years of nothing, which is what they did last time. And I think they're trying to avoid that uh, moving forward. Uh, from here on out and i think that's a good sign so Mm -hmm. um but overall yeah that's kind of where we are with the xbox leak pablo uh any final thoughts at all about this before we wrap yeah i mean look uh, a lot of this stuff is 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 great uh but we again we've said it throughout the entire segment is that a lot of it we have to take it with the grain of salt we've already seen with some of the games that they haven't panned out when they say they were going to come out and, and and some of them might not ever come out so you know it's good that they have a plan 
It's good that we know to a certain extent as to where they're going. It, I still kind of think it sucks for them that they came out with that with without them wanting it to. So you know, there's some stuff there that uh, uh, it's that it sucks for them in terms of the ultimate message that they're trying to to relay that that now they're not doing it on their time anymore but other than that man uh i think this is far more the the far more positive in terms of what a leak could be like you you could leak something that is completely wrong and it's like no no no, we're definitely not doing any of that and it just looked like complete disaster but the fact that even if this all were to pan out and be true it would still be all fire that is correct yeah yeah what i would say is a parting shot is more for the listeners um be very careful of the content that you are going to uh, in regards to these leaks and, and in general. Um, now more than ever, you know, stories like this tend to be weaponized to, to fan the flames of console warring. And uh, people are going out of their way to misconstrue and warp the facts from this type of stuff, uh, all in an effort to get clicks or uh, to make money off of X. You know, uh, and so that hate engagement is a real thing. So sure. be very mindful of where you're going to get, uh, number one, the, the actual facts and number two, where you're getting your takes from, because people are people are getting wonky out here in these streets, man. It's just seeing what people have been doing with a lot of this information and how they've been funneling it into their own weirdo narratives about Xbox and PlayStation and all that stuff. It, it's getting to a point where I, I really suggest people restrict how many people you go to and how many sources you go to for video game discourse. Because, uh, you know, if you're going to social media predominantly, that ain't it. That ain't it no more. So, uh, because again, none of this is really terrible news, but you go listen to some people talk and they sound like it's the end of the world. They're making, (laughs) they're making another Xbox one because they're doing a cloud-based thing. This is the end. It, you know, and you get that kind of stuff. And then that just, that just gets people in their feelings and in weird headspaces and, and don't, don't make yourself susceptible to that. So, um, Facts. but what you can do is you can subscribe to Cooldown time because we don't do that shit. Uh, hey. so, uh, speaking of which that's going to do it for our show this week. If you enjoyed this, uh, and you don't mind some unbiased gaming podcast discourse, uh, we are where it's at. So subscribe to us wherever you uh, happen to be listening to us. And also if you're into social media and you just kind of want to follow good sources of, of discourse, we also have a presence on those uh, platforms as well. You can find us at It's Cool Downtime on pretty much every social media platform there is, including some of the newer ones like Blue Sky and What's Left of Threads. Uh, but <laughs> uh, until next time, Pablo, that's going to do it for me and you here. Uh, listeners, hope you had fun. We will see you next week. Take care. Peace out.